So one thing we'll cover is that actually it, it's not as simple as it, think, it seems, nonviolence, is it? It seems like a very simple principle, but it is actually very complicated. And so, so we have Bhagavad Gita. Have any of you read this book? So it's an ancient 5,000-year-old text from India. Bhagavad Gita explains how the self is different from the body. You might have noticed that your body isn't uh, seven ounces, seven pounds, three ounces, or five pounds. You probably have a different body than the body you're born with. Um, some people say, oh, actually, my body is exactly the same, and that's really weird because unless their mother was a giant and gave birth to an adult-looking human being, or they'll say, like, oh, I haven't, uh, I'm, it's a different me. Someone says, oh, that was a different person, different me before. And then you say, okay, well, I don't need to listen to you because in 10 minutes, another you will pop up. <laughs> so, no, you, you are eternal. You are stick, sticking around. And the body is always changing. So, therefore, the Vedas state that actually we aren't our physical bodies. We are not... American, Caucasian, Chinese, Japanese, white, black, Republican, Democrat, tree-hugging activist, Nazi, jazz musician. We are not, uh, you know, any of these different designations that we take on. Just like I have a Toyota, blue Toyota Avalon, I am not the Toyota Avalon, I am something completely different. And if something happens to that Toyota Avalon, it doesn't necessarily happen to me. Uh, only if I identify with that vehicle, like I might drive past so many other Toyotas and I may go past a junkyard and I see a bunch of Toyotas all smashed up and I don't feel anything but because I identify with that Toyota if there's a scratch on it I feel that scratch as an extension of my nervous system I feel oh my Toyota 2004 Avalon scratched up it's me roll down the window say you hit me the Toyota me, only because of a identification, holding on to it, identifying with it. So then what is violence? So let's see, there is a, a chapter, I think it's chapter 13, where it describes different things that are constituents, constituents of knowledge are things that bring about knowledge. And in that section, it talks about violence and nonviolence. Yes, here we go. Humility, pridelessness, nonviolence, etc. These are. So here it states nonviolence is generally taken to not killing or destroying the body. In the English definition, if you look in the dictionary, it says not um, causing harm to, with causing, not hurt, not hurting with the intent to harm. For example, if you bump into somebody accidentally, they get terribly hurt, that wouldn't be under the definition of violence because there's the intent to harm. And then ahimsa, the word himsa comes from himsoti, which means to cause hurt, and in Sanskrit, when you put an A in front of something, it turns it to the opposite. So to not cause hurt, to, to that principle of not causing hurt to others. Let's, let's, let's see what it says. 
destroying the body, but actually nonviolence also means not means not to put others into distress. So we'll cover some of that. So how many of you have heard of something called deontology? And our and our consequentialism. You don't have. You're not going to. We we still give you dessert if you if you heard this. <laughs> you're still you're good. You're fine. So um, these are two different opposing theories of moral reasoning. So let's see. I got some notes here from two different classes by Bhakti. Ananda Tirta Swami. Tomorrow reason, that's just how you, know, how you reason something is good or bad. Consequentialism is, uh, you look at the consequences. For example, deontology is the statement that the good of something is in the, the act itself. Being good for good, or being honest for honest sake, or being truthful, or being kind for kindness sake. So there's an example in, that Srila Prabhupada gave of a Brahmin, a priest. Is there any reason that door windows open? Because uh, hotter it outside. Small area. Oh, okay. Because it's hotter outside than in here. <laughs> Try to get the cool air going. So there was a, a priest who took a vow never to tell a lie. And there was a young man who was running from the mafia and he came to this priest's church and he says, help me, these guys are going to kill me. And he let him in. This is an ancient story. And the mafia guys came. They, they asked, you know, we're looking for this young guy. He's about this tall. He looks like this. And he said, yeah, he's, a, he's over here. <laughs> so that's that was based on the principle of deontology the, the, the good of an act is in the act itself so you may see some flaw there do you see any flaw there? His, his honesty got the guy killed the guy who was running from the mafia he got killed by the mafia because the priest didn't protect him because he had a, this uh, principle of never telling a lie so let's see. Notes don't work. That doesn't matter. So, and then de- uh, consequentialism is you look at the consequence. Um, you can see, okay, this consequence is that the, the, the person, you know, you, you tell the lie, but you're actually protecting the person's life. And so what's, what's more important, person's life or holding on to your principle of honesty. So, um, sometimes a person can be nonviolent and create violence. Sometimes somebody can be violent and create nonviolence. We'll see. We'll investigate that. Uh, you have any examples? Any examples of something being violent, but it's actually intent to not cause harm, but like being a bouncer and breaking up a fight or something. Being a bouncer breaking up a fight? Yeah. All right. 
when you're, um, if you break a bone and the doctor sees that the bone is not setting right, they will re-break it. <laughs> and so they can actually get it proper. Um, any other examples? Yeah, that just, that just reminds me of like, um, how like a, a scalpel or a knife, like it could either be used to like, in, in the right hands or with the right intentions, it could be used to like heal somebody. But that same scalpel with like bad intentions behind it could kill somebody or something. Okay. Anything else? How about like more like an intent to harm? Um, food, basically killing plants or food. Food, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the Bhagavatam, it says "Jivo Jivasya Jivanam." Uh, anybody who lives in this universe has to eat another living thing, pretty much. You know, it's like. We can't eat rocks. We eat organic things. And I don't mean organic from Whole Foods, but things that are made out of life force. Yes? Okay, this, it, I don't know if this is going too far, but what if there was a guy that has his button on, like, the button is like a nuclear device, <laughs> and, and he's going to blow up the whole world, right? Okay, the guy's going to blow up the whole world. And so somebody the figures goes, on the button. And somebody goes and they... They tackle him or, you know, whatever. They tackle him. They tackle him, get him out of the way so that he can't blow up the whole world. What if the tackling doesn't work? What if they kill him? They kill him. <laughs> oh, my God. And how about examples of nonviolence that actually causes harm? Like somebody's getting beat up and you just stand there and watch them get beat up and you don't help them. But yeah, there's different examples. Like uh, one time Gandhi was challenged. Um, so Gandhi is famous for, uh, as a non he, he believed in absolute nonviolence, like the deontology of nonviolence, meaning that it's a principle that should be upheld over all other principles. And the good is in the actual principle itself. And someone asked him, well, if somebody is... Um, raping your daughter you take violent means to protect her and he said no and then the person challenged says well then your nonviolence is violence so let's see I got some notes here um, I'm going to Swami What's that? Rain? Yes, it's going to be rain. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> so these are two major camps. The Bhagavad Gita has both of these. You'll find verses in support of both. What are some examples? So one example uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna in the 18th chapter says, an action that is performed in illusion without concern of future bondage, how it affects people, or violence or distress caused the other, is said to be action on the lowest platform in the mode of ignorance. So at this point, consequentialism, what are the, what are the problems with deontology? Deontology, as we just said, is 
the, the, the moral power is in the act itself. And that, what, what are some problems with that? Mother Chandrabhaga. McCollin, because you're a teacher, so I can te- we get back at you. I'm trying to think of a basis for, for what comes to mind. I'm just, what comes to mind immediately is just pride. That someone could feel somehow prideful the, following the letter of the word. You know, like this situation I've gone the, in, that I'm doing. For example, in the, con- in this, in the sense of harming others, um, you know, my religious book says that uh, if, you, if, if, if you don't c- come to my religion, I should kill you. Because, and it even goes to consequentialism, because the consequence is if I don't kill you, you're going to suffer in hell. And both on both that side also, you can say like, so therefore it's my, I better, you know, follow the, so it kind of, consequential, the deontology is kind of mindless, seems like mindless. I was going to say it has no regards to context of situation. No, got, no regards to context. Everything is just, there's no gray yeah. like area, it's all just like boom. Said, yeah. if, if someone's raping your daughter, like, that's a whole other context and circumstance to that rule, and by not doing it, like you said, that is violence in itself. And just how you should think about your actions, violent actions, you should also think about inaction, too. Like, it's both or something you have to think about. Can I, uh, uh, what's considered a good moral action could be misdirected. It could be something that, you know, that to the person it appears moral, but it's actually not. All serious and the whole, like, it's actually causing harm, but... Do you have an example of it? Um, just like, like um, suppose the Nazis, they were believing that they were doing something moral or by killing the Jews, and, you know, they were up. That's, that's what they're supposed to do, and that's... Okay. Eric, you want to say something? Terrorism. Terrorism. Yeah, extreme Islam. You know, they think they're doing something right and that by doing this, they're going to be liberated somehow. Now, and that's fine, but they don't see how it affects everyone else. Now, what's wrong with consequentialism? The future is uncertain. You don't know what the consequence is. Yeah. You don't know what happens next, what to speak of next, 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 next. Like, what is the chain reaction of your so-called prediction of the outcome? You know, if I do this, then this good outcome is going to happen, you know. Uh, if I got my infinity gauntlet, snap my fingers, kill half the universe, man, everything's going to be peaceful. And then what he said, he saw, oh... It's still messed up. Now I have to snap my fingers again, kill everyone in the universe. Wait, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, he killed everybody. It's done. The whole universe is done. <laughs> everybody died. It's over. No more movies.
<laughs> so, do you know what the consequence is? Uh, what else? What's el- what else? What other problems are we picked on? Deontology. Let's pick on consequentialism. I don't know if this be an, ex- an example or not, but if you give some money to someone banking on the street, um, and, and that would be a nice thing to do, but then they might use that money to buy drugs and, and harm themselves. Harm themselves. Yeah. Like an unforeseen okay. consequence. You don't know. You don't. Yeah. Don't know what the consequence is. Yeah. Another one. One more thing I was thinking of. It, it gives a lot of room for like interpretations and, and like sort of hedonism. The question is, what is a good consequence? I think maybe a good consequence is I'm rich, you're poor. Consequentialism means that there is no basis. There's no... You know, deontology says that this is good. Consequentialism says we don't know what is good. So where do you go from there? <laughs> so... Um, so you got examples of, of deontology in the Gita. Uh, one, one example is this yoga itself. When Krishna just tells Arjuna, uh, do, do the, the, don't worry about profit or loss, gain or uh, misfortune, and just do those things that you're supposed to do. That's one example. Let's see. Don't expect something to happen. Don't yeah. No. Don't don't be hungry for the fruits. Don't whether you win this battle or not. You know you have your you are a warrior, and your duty is to protect people. You have to fight, and whether you win or lose, it's kind of, and it was based on a kind of the principle of, of yoga being unattached to the results. So that's kind of deontologic, if you want to use that word. And we also gave an example of consequentialism. Okay, one second. This sounds kind of weird for us, because we're not born in a culture that really has a sense of, like, you should do something, because there's a, there's a thing called duty. That's kind of like a four-letter word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it was very... Prabhupada, he came to America in 1965 uh, during the height of Vietnam protests. And it was such a foreign thing because uh, everybody was peace and love. And he has a book, Bhagavad Gita, which you know, apparently Gandhi really liked, but it's spoken on a battlefield. And at the end of the book, the guy goes to fight. <laughs> And so people were, you know, had some, they had some questions for Srila Prabhupada, and, and sometimes they're satisfied, sometimes they're not. But. So problems with consequentialism, problems with, with uh, deontology leads to blind fanaticism, uncritical thinking. So that one verse that I read earlier by Krishna, there is one point that I did there's one part of the sentence I didn't include which was with disregard to scriptural injunction so that's it said on one side of the verse it said if you do something that is not thinking about how it future the future harm or future results let's see where was that verse 
without concern of future bondage, violence, and distress, and with disregard. So it had both there. So let's see how that works and how that relates to ahimsa. How many of you uh, came from, like, read the Bible when you were young? Not me, but... Okay, so um, there is... You've heard that... What's that vanity verse? It's in... There's it's all vanity. It's Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that is like one section in the, in the Bible. It's very philosophical. And he says, uh, if everything... If everything just goes to death, if it all ends up as nothing, then what is its value? Like, what, what is... What is it, how does it have any value? Because if, if everything ends up in nothing, then everything that you're doing is nothing. Because it all ends in nothing. So in Krishna consciousness, we say that there's certain things, absolute things that are actually established. And in connection to that, then those things become positive. Otherwise, they lead to nothing. So I'll give some examples. So, cons- uh, consequentialism. For example, in America, it was legal to kill a black man if you owned him. <laughs> was it always bad to do that? Or was it just bad back then? Uh, no, okay back then and it was bad now? No. It's always bad. Always so, bad. these are something we would say are, are they have an eternal nature to them. So ahimsa is related to actually the soul. The soul by nature is eternal and spiritual. The God by nature is eternal and spiritual. And the relationship between the soul and God is out of love. So ahimsa or violence is going against our actual very nature. It's something that goes against our own nature. And real ahimsa, the subject of ahimsa or violence, is something that is in relation to that. For example, the Pandavas in the Bhagavad Gita, they were protecting the world from the rule of dark, demoniac leaders that were trying to take over the world. And they, Krishna encouraged them that they tried, because they're very saintly, they tried so many different ways to stop this kind of, um, it was a takeover. But he said, no, you have to actually fight, even though because of your heart, you're, even, you're, so, you're a warrior, but you're saintly, so you're soft-hearted. But the world is going to suffer if, if these guys take charge. And you may have to fight them. And so if these guys get, char- get in charge, their leadership is actually becomes violence to others. Physically violent, but also spiritually <coughs> violent because they bring everyone to darkness. They bring everyone to uh, dark materialism. So here's some definitions uh, of violence given by our teacher. Not... Stopping the spiritual progress of any living entity. So in the Vedas it says if you kill an animal, 
then you're not just harming its body, but you're harming that, little, that living entity's spiritual progress. He, that living entity has a karmic uh, debt to be born into a particular species. If he is killed by another species, you know, by nature's arrangement, then he'll take birth, or if he dies by nature's arrangement, he'll take birth in a higher species. But killing animals is understood to be outside of the human quota, outside of the arrangement for human beings. So if a human kills an, uh, that living entity, then that living entity has to again take birth in that particular species and live out its remaining time. So it's like a person is about to get out of a prison and then you force that person to be bound again. So that's considered spiritually violent. It's not just a physical thing. Uh, another thing, Bhagavatam, our big set of books there, it says that you can commit violence to yourself by just being spiritually ignorant. That if you don't learn what life is about, what it's for, if you're just, then you're hurting your own self. That's kind of violence to the self. So the idea is that there can be utilization of everything in its proper, like he said, the scalpel. It can be used properly. Like the police officer, uh, if he sees somebody beating up an old lady and he violently intervenes. Of course, now, uh, if you study uh, police in America versus like the police in the Nordic countries, um, in the past, from year 2002, to you, 2013, four people have died from police-related deaths in Norway. Four people have died. In America, 40,000 in that same time period. In America, the police officers who, to become a police officer, you have um, a total of Schooling and on-the-job training you have at most nine months. And these police officers have three years. So something seems to work there. Having, and they specifically deal with uh, nonviolent conflict resolution, how to deal with people with mental illness, how to just... And, and there's also... You, you, there's they, another thing is how you select recruits that you want to see that this person can act uh, in a very upstanding moral way in in very hard stressful situations they want to see the character there so four people killed and put and you know they in some of these countries they have more guns than people in the United States But the police officer, yeah, uh, four four related police related deaths in Norway, and it's like forty three thousand in the same time period in the United States. Crazy, but so let's we're going to talk about the Norwegian cop for now, <laughs> not the American. Uh, no offense to 
not if you're American cop, sorry, but but the if that Norwegian cop sees somebody beating up an old lady, then he may become violent to protect. And then so there's an idea that things can be utilized for a higher purpose. Does that make any sense? Any Chamison is just rubbing his head, not raising his hand. Any reflections so far? So to really understand it is very subtle. It's not just a simple it's and therefore there is a principle called parampara, guru parampara, that if you want to understand the subtleties of life and make decisions, it's important to have some kind of mentorship in our life. Somebody who has somebody we find to be a little bit further along, more further along than us, and has some spiritual maturity, because likely decisions that we make, we make mistakes. How do you become a doctor? It's not by just the books. No one's going to let me use that scalpel on anybody with, 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 because I went to the Baylor Medical University Library and read the books. I have to study under real doctors. How does one become a lawyer? You won't, you know, if you have, you're in a serious situation, you're not going to hire me as a lawyer because I read some law books. Say, you know, I don't need a real lawyer because Nithinanda Chandra, he read some law books. <laughs> He's going to help me out. No way. <laughs> you know, if you're in a hard situation, no way. You're going to find a real lawyer. So similarly, when we, if we want to, want to navigate life, then we should find somebody who has some type of spiritual maturity. And it is coming down in a system that's passed down from teacher to student, teacher to student, teacher to student. Otherwise, there's, there's every chance that we may be committing violence in our, or, or, or maybe making, hurting ourselves thinking that we're helping. It's very hard to tell. Like, for example, my friend said he wanted to buy a sleeping bag, and he is a swami, a sannyasi, and sannyasis, senior renounced monks, wanted, ahimsa is such an important principle for sannyasi. For somebody who is like a police officer, it is important, but it's not as important as it is for like a monk. Um, you know, the, the monk doesn't really need to be violent at any point. It, it, it is best that he is tolerant in, in all situations, maybe if protect others, but generally he's nonviolent in all circumstances. Even great sages, they would kind of employ the kings to, to like there was, in the Ramayana, there was like monsters in the forest and they would get the kings to, the sages had powers, but they was like, no, no, our powers are for spiritual upliftment, not for violence. Um, so there's every chance of it making. So he was looking to get a sleeping bag and so he looked up uh, in, like a down sleeping bag, which is the, the feathers of the duck and and he, he came across accidentally came across some information how they get it and he said it sounded really really horrible and then then he went to okay let me get some synthetic fibers and then he learned about where the the synthetic fibers come from and from the oil and from the fracking and then it was like wait that's really really horrible too <laughs> And he was really, really like, where do I go with this? And so the idea is that, yeah, you, it, we do your best, but it should not actually 
stop you from the actual goal of life because then you're actually still causing violence upon yourself. It, should, it shouldn't um, uh, be a stumbling block because you could just become paralyzed. And even if you eat vegetables, the, 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 the tilling of the ground is killing insects. The, if, uh, what to speak if they're using tractors and all these big things and that's, uh, that's killing all kinds of uh, mice and other things like that. It, uh, the James, they wear masks. So they don't breathe in. But we know even if you blink, you're killing living entities. So the one idea is uh, kind of a least possible path in a way of, but also the path of utilization. That if you, if you utilize things and then engage those things in, back in spiritual life, then, then it becomes purified, sanctified. For example, even if you eat vegetarian food, there's karma there. But then if you offer that food to God, then it becomes spiritualized, sanctified. Did you guys eat at the restaurant today? Yes. Was it good? Very. Very good. <laughs> Why do you think it's good? Because <laughs> it's cooked with love and offered. So there's, a, there's a system. Actually, we had a famous atheist at the restaurant. He was like an atheist YouTuber. He came to the restaurant, was it yesterday or two days ago? I think it was yesterday, because two days ago would be Monday, so it was yesterday. And he asked Joey, he said, man, why is this food so good? He said, I could tell you, but you probably wouldn't believe me. <laughs> He's like, why is this food so good? <laughs> so some reflections. I, I mean, I kind of just uh, jumped into this topic. I was listening to a class by my friend, but... If I had some more time, I could really delve deeper, but yes. So this reminds me of a conversation I got into with someone about politics, and they made a really good point, and it reminds me of the difference or the conflict between deontology and circumstantialism, is that they'll never mix because you can't agree on terms, right? And like in politics, if you can't agree on what is right and what's wrong, what's considered wrong in abortion, and what's not, like what's considered life, then you can never agree on where the morality lies, right? So the same way in this, and in Bhagavad Gita, like Krishna sets the terms for you, and Guru sets the terms for you. So that way, you can find mm. that middle. So Krishna, he's he basically what is stated is that there is a there should there needs to be an axiomatic point, a deontological point uh, that is look through the eyes of consequentialism. For example, in the beginning of the Bhagavatam. Uh, you find this in like uh, some the different classes or even in the Mahabharata is many different moral exercises sometimes they'll present to students a moral ambiguous situation and you have to figure out one side or the other and the other and this is to sharpen one's moral moral intellect for example in the beginning of Bhagavatam uh, there was a guy who killed a bunch of babies and Krishna tells Arjuna, I said, kill this dude. And, you know, he's, he killed a whole bunch of babies, and you are the leader, sends him to death. <laughs> I mean, he, he's like, killed like five babies. And he's supposed to be like, he, he, and he was not just like some crazy person, he was a very wise person. It's kind of like, like some professor 
you found out a professor killed some babies. You're like, what the heck? You're like, not just some drug crazed out person, but like some intelligent person. You find out he killed some babies. Man, that guy just <laughs> he needs to go. <laughs> and then, um, and then Arjuna's mom said no. <laughs> so God told him to kill the the guy, and the guy's mom said no. And he did a whole bunch of moral reasoning and he got, went with what his mom said and God was happy. You see? He, he, he was happy with his sharp spiritual moral reason. His mom had some very good points as well. And what, is, what did he have to end up doing? I don't know that past time. He... Uh, so Ashwatthama, you know, oh. he, uh, he had some kind of mystic jewel on his head and then he got, he got powers from and something and he was very proud and he said, it was like part of his body, he said, cut that off. And, and it would be, it would be such a dishonor that it would be just as good as death. It would be just as, he said, this person... It, uh, uh, you're, not, you're not supposed to even though this person was a priest and a prof, like a professor and a prof, priest and they're supposed to be uh, regarded with respect that's what his mom said you can't he's, he's, he's supposed to be regarded with respect how can you kill a priest a couple other things she said and Krishna said he was satisfied that with that as the proper middle ground but even Krishna, God was telling him, kill this guy. And he didn't do it. He listened to his mama. Some more reflections? Um, so, man, woman, boy, girl, they see the world through their own spectacle. And in their mind, they, they form this, their own idea. So, did we reach a conclusion that there's no such thing as good or bad? It's all perspective. Yeah. But and but we discussed there there there's there there's issues with that um, because <coughs> it's generally me and my group me and the white people me and the black people me and the Americans me and the Chinese me and the humans screw the animals it's always. Um, when it comes to the spiritual platform, when it goes all the way up the chain, then, then it's like the, you start to see the soul in God. Then it becomes uh, it, it, something beyond just one's mental uh, exercises or speculations. And then, you, then on that platform, you can actually do, do good for somebody. Because you know it's always me and my group. Then somebody else is outside of that group, and they, they become a victim of something. So to help the self, we have to know what the self is. We have to know what 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 being is. Like she you know brought up the, you have, vegans like hardcore vegans that are pro-abortion. And you got hardcore pro-lifers that are all about hunting and shooting elephants. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's like, it, none of it makes any sense. 
um, we, we become better uh, equipped if, if we at least understand the principle of the conscious self being different from the body. That's kind of a, a good stepping stone of uh, having uh, a, a better situated stance of more reasoning. Understanding the conscious self being different from the body. And it's not simply like... A, like uh, Bhagavad Gita or Bhagavatam doesn't say, okay, now you just have to join a religion, find a crew, a group, and just like, you know, sit in and, and identify. I'm a Hare Krishna. I'm saved. No, you have to become a good, uh, uh, compassionate, beautiful, loving, living entity. And, and have a refined spiritual moral reasoning. It's not just like uh, identifying with a group, but actually deep internal work. Because you see, it actually can, it's very subtle. It's not just a simple thing, figuring out how Krishna used this very difficult situation to bring that out, that, it's, that there are situations in life that you really need deep spiritual wisdom to, go, to progress through it. Like Arjuna is in a situation, he gave really good answers why he shouldn't fight in this battle. And Krishna just had better answers why he should. So we don't exactly agree with Gandhi, where it's absolute nonviolence where the the daughter gets raped everything has its pure origin it can be uh, but it, it takes some refinement and also uh, and that refined intelligence comes from working with somebody who already has done that step with a mentor like you you you're not able to do, do brain surgery and have your your patient survive unless you studied under somebody who's actually done it. So in all aspects of our life, one, one clear aspect is diet. That's, that's a clear aspect of applying to violence. Uh, but just how we treat people, how we speak to people, Krishna says in Gita, um, there are different types of austerities of the body, of the mind. And then he says austerity of speech. Uh, he says, uh, try to remember the Sanskrit. It is, anybody know the Sanskrit? <laughs> no, no uh, that's uh, Nectar It is, I forget it. It's, um, not causing agitation to others, um, speaking kindly, speaking honest. Satyam prihitam chayat swadayabhyasanam chayva vanmaya tapu uchate. I got the last line. So there are different things. Honesty. So someone say, oh, honesty. Man, I can tell everybody, dude, I think you're ugly. <laughs> That's my honest opinion. And they says, well, is it beneficial? Maybe it'll benefit him if he knows he's ugly. <laughs> well, um, is it beneficial? Is it pleasing? Uh, maybe it's not pleasing. 
Is it, okay, uh, is it, so there's a, where's the, let me look it up, because it's on the tip of the tongue. Chapter 17, pretty sure. Right in the middle. Anudvegam karam vakyam saptam prihitam chayat swadaya bhyasanam chayivas vanmaya tapu uchate Pleasing, beneficial, not agitating to others. And it says some of these rules are nicked if the person is a teacher. Like someone, if you have a, uh, a guru, a mentor, a teacher, they can tell you when you're doing something wrong. We should look for somebody in our life that we could accept that type of instruction. Otherwise, then we're just like, we're, what they, what they say in German, they say, Dummheit und Stutz wachsen auf das Sebenholz. A, a pride and stupidity grow on the same tree. A tree that has no fruits and no leaves stands very proud. <coughs> and a tree that is bearing fruits is very humble. So we should find some kind of relationship of some kind of mentor where we can, that we can, someone can give us instructions, someone we can hear from and get some correct, some course in our life. Like, not that we just, Nobody can teach me anything. I can't. I don't need to learn anything. Mm-hmm. I've got five mouths and no ears. No, I've got two ears, one mouth. So we've got to, you know, seek that kind of relationship. In, in Krishna conscious movement, that's called guru-disciple relationship. Um, it's not something taken cheaply. There are, there are, you know, people that you take advice from, but then there's somebody that you may have real conviction that, okay, I'm, I... I have the faith that this person can give me spiritual knowledge without adulteration. And they may train me how to navigate life so I can get free from pride, cruelty, arrogance. They may help me see those things. And so... more reflections what's your doggy bag take something home with you tonight mm-hmm. take something home from this what do you got you gotta take give us a, give us a, something to remember can you ask me a question no you're we get, we gotta tell us something something from something this something I remember from the whole lecture yeah something you're gonna take home Um, just kind of looking at the morality of things and not just what comes after and kind of refining my moral insight and my spiritual insight that's kind of what I was thinking as you were talking nice, thank you yeah, you'll see that they, they, the Mahabharata they, they, they have these exercises where they put it's a morally ambiguous situation um, Lord Chaitanya who is Krishna's avatar that appeared 500 years ago he was so intelligent that if he was to, 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 to bait with somebody 
he could, you know, present his thesis and then completely refute that. And you're like, okay, I guess this other side is right. And then he would completely refute that. And then he would completely refute that. (laughs) And you're just... But it's not just an intellectual exercise, but it like, just shows some... But we, it's good to have that kind of exercise where we, we don't just kind of like, oh, it's just this way, you know? Like, kind of like, we really look at and see, like, that's why I say nonviolence is it's a very subtle thing. Like, you, it, 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 there can be circumstances where it's needed. And there may be a lot of circumstances that we're doing it and it's not needed. We may be justifying it. Oh, the consequence. i got to be a jerk to everybody because this consequence I think may happen. <laughs> and we'll concoct some reason why we got to be a jerk to everybody. So, Can't you do that with you being nice too? You're just being nice because you think it's going to be... Oh, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, yoga means that you're not trying to get something out of it. All right. Anything else? Harris? Bobo G? Bobo G. You heard the, when they say G in India? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one thing again, okay, deontology again is just... Um, there are certain things that are just factually, principles that are factually good. But there are many of them. And so some of them have different hierarchies. Being honest is good, but protecting someone's life is better. So the mafia guy comes to the door, don't tell him where the guy is hiding, you know? Honest is good. We, uh, we may throw all these things out all the time. We... Um, sometimes we actually have to be firmly established in that principle to understand uh, when to throw it out. We say, oh, I'm spiritual. I can just abandon all these things because I'm just acting on a spiritual platform anyway. No, no, we have to, we have to really see the value of being honest, being nonviolent, being kind. We have to really become imbibed in those. And then understand uh, it, when those are fully realized, then we can... Uh, will have a sharper uh, ability to understand when it can be thrown out for something higher like the the the, the guy that was running from the mafia uh, um, religion and science religion is kind of deontology science is consequentialism and Prabhupada said, religion without science is just speculation, or religion without philosophy. And science or philosophy without religion is just sentimentality. So I think we'll stop here. Om Tasat, thanks a lot. Hare Krishna.